welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me in the, the virtual Houndsy studio to discuss a thrilling nil-nil draw out in Oakland, California, an upcoming fixture at home against another California team, and some other Houndsy stuff along the way. Got two people, one you've heard a lot of, once you have one other person you've heard on this show but not in a while. Lead off with the voice you hear uh, all too often, because she also has no life. Ariana, what's good? Uh, uh, I have no life. You said it. You said it perfectly right there. Um, I included myself good. with that. Just you know, I'm not trying. To... I mean, this is true. Yeah. Um, my life is just on the weekend. You know, Houndsy, other act- Pittsburgh activities. Uh, last couple of weekends, I went to the Arts Fest. Good like you can't really do stuff like that. Yeah, can't can't really do stuff like that after work. Like it just feels like you have to. I don't know. Yeah, but did you get the oh, most I'm out of it in your work. in your fun employment time? I did, I did. I can say that I do miss being um, unemployed at times. I don't miss not having the income, but you know. Being able to just like up and go decide to do something um, was really nice, but I don't know. I still have some flexibility. I work from home, so it's not like I travel anywhere. Uh, so I wake up, you know, half hour before I have to clock in, and I can go do stuff half hour after I clock out. So still pretty flexible. Now, to be fair. I I also I don't work from home, but I also uh, clock into work a half hour after I wake up. But that's <laughs> a totally separate. Uh, way of handling life at, at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah. Uh, we also need to talk a little bit about uh, going down to the battery game. or is that? Are we doing this? Yeah, we're doing this. Okay. I'm doing it. Full yeah. send. But I was hoping Yak was going to be on this one. We're going to mention him again. Uh, I was hoping he was going to be on this one because then we could talk about it. But, uh, yes, I do. I do am... I'm like 99.7% sure I'm going down. The only thing that would change in this moment is like an illness. And I don't plan on getting sick, so. No one ever does. That, this is true. Or yeah. maybe I should get sick now. Just get I'm out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Get your sick quota set up. Uh, yeah. yeah, for anyone who hasn't looked, the. the you can do round trip down to Charleston that weekend, uh, assuming you're willing to fly home Sunday morning at, at five something in the morning. You could do it for under two hundred bucks. So just uh, keep that in mind. Sounds like mm-hmm, there might be a couple mm-hmm. of us going down there. Uh, although the hotel thing is still kind of unsure yet, but we'll work on it. Yeah, I might take the Airbnb route, though. I, I hate saying that because I've never had a good experience with an Airbnb, but some other folks in the Steel Army have. Some other folks who listen to this podcast have. So um, I'd be intrigued to see what like other options there are, too. I only we do the Airbnb thing if it's, like a, if it's a long stay. Like the one night, because all of a sudden they try to yeah. they bone you with the cleaning fees and all that kind of crap. That's true. Yeah. It's uh, The hotel's like... On the, on the peninsula by the stadium are, like, atrociously expensive. But if you decide to go, like, more towards the city, which is, like, maybe a 15-minute Uber, 
you're looking at more more reasonably the same price as our hotel or our our flight you know priced hotels not double our our uh, airline tickets yeah. so yeah that's what i'm leaning towards so but we'll see nice i love charleston so I, i'll i'll do anything in charleston all right got you on uh got your record saying that perfect yeah um <laughs> Perfect segue into that. Uh, on making mm-hmm. kind of his debut on the podcast, although not really. First debut on, on the traditional, because he was. You heard uh, his voice on the somewhat bizarre road trip to Loudon episode last year. It's uh, it's Devin. What's up, man? Not too much. Yeah, that was a uh, <laughs> definitely an unconventional podcast uh, on that away trip, but. Ironically, I'm actually coming to you from a Airbnb right now. So. I was wondering because you said you're out of town, so I was wondering if, if you were doing that. So, what's your thoughts on Airbnb? Clearly, you're you're willing to stay in one, but yeah, yeah. So I got I got a pretty cheap one. It's like a real studio, nice little studio Airbnb, like a block from the beach out here in Connecticut. Um, decided to take a, a quick little family vacation. Uh, my wife and I with our two year old daughter, so uh, she's enjoying her time out here at the beach, but. We didn't anything fancy uh, because she's two, so (laughs) she can't do a whole lot. Um, It's been a busy week for her, actually. Yesterday, she had her first ever soccer practice, Uh, and yeah, so and then you got in the car and went to Connecticut. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) But it went about as well as you could expect a soccer practice to go for a group of two-year-olds. I mean, you can getting them to do anything for a half an hour straight is a success. So. It didn't go too bad. Decent first touch? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, interesting tactics there. They were, they were having them talk to the ball, make friends with the ball. <laughs> and eventually they didn't get to kicking it. So, you know. At least they're, uh, they're, was, they're uh, interacting with, with a ball as opposed to. Yes. You see a lot of uh, yes. the first half an hour of practice, they're just like doing laps and they're not even getting touches on a ball, which is insane. So. <laughs> At least having an interaction with, with a soccer ball is uh, a step in the right direction, for sure. Now, Devin, you already gave a, a nice introduction uh, to everyone, the wife, kid, staying out in Connecticut, spending vacation time doing this podcast, which is, that's a bold first appearance to, to do that. But uh, the question I really want to ask, um, just to get you fully acclimated to, to this podcast, uh, big news this week: bunch of rich guys in a Ford Fiesta under the bomb of the uh, bomb of the ocean, on the mm-hmm. ways to perish. That's got to be pretty high on the ways you don't want to go, right? Yeah, <laughs> the bottom of the ocean, no air. Yeah, facts. <laughs> I mean, I had never considered <laughs> on ways I don't want to go. I never thought about that one because I didn't think it was a possibility. But holy hell, no way. Yeah, in a in a machine controlled by a knockoff the Logitech PlayStation controller. Controller. The yeah. Logitech controller. Like I don't want to sound it's, too it's creep, like crass about this, but jeez, man. Mm. Fuck. Have you seen the son of one the billionaire who's under the under in in the in the shoebox? I was going to the Blink concert. Yeah, who uh, apparently is starting some uh, starting some beef with Cardi B on on Twitter. I missed that it, part. It's the weirdest. The weirdest experience I've ever gone through. Right. His dad is potentially dying <laughs> under under the water, and he's just 
going to start beef with I, Cardi B. Social never sleeps. As you do. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, speaking of, of not sleeping, uh, Oakland and Pittsburgh played a nil-nil draw on the other side of the country while a lot of people who are Hounds fans probably fell asleep here in the, the greater Pittsburgh area. Uh, my top line thought from this game was very professional. Get out there, get the point. When you have some, you have injury concerns, you have international duty concerns. Maybe giving some guys uh, a rest, getting some some rotation in the squad. Uh, so let's go. Let's actually start by discussing that starting lineup. Uh, Part of that starts with uh, a person who the last time we recorded a podcast was not a member of of the Hounds. Uh, Luis Zamudio, a 24-year-old keeper out of the currently out of, uh, out of D.C. He was in the Miami system for a while. Uh, Inter-Miami, not the Miami. Um, comes to the Hounds on a one-month loan. Uh, basically to cover the time while Jamal Waite's going to be on international duty at the Gold Cup. Uh, Ariana, we kept putting out some names and thoughts and because we heard the rumor that there might be a keeper coming in. Of course, they announced it the day after we finished recording. When you mm-hmm. saw what the name was, what were your thoughts? You know, at first I didn't recognize it. Um, I did technically scoop the hounds in our Discord by a whopping like 20 minutes on this news, uh, I did some some digging. Um, and then I did some digging on our appearances with him in the past, because um, we have seen him play since he did play for the, the Loudoun United squad last year. He, he's taken, um, a, taken a loss against the Hounds, that's correct. Two, two losses, uh, dropped two points each game, or two uh, goals each game. So uh, I was a little ap- apprehensive, um, but I guess w- what do I expect when you play the good guys? Um, now that he is a good guy, he's gonna be great, right? <laughs> he's a lanky dude. Um, he is. Uh, I keep calling him a kid, but I did realize that he's roughly the same age as the rest of the team. Uh, he's 24, so it's not like he's, I mean, he's still a kid, but I don't know. I just keep thinking he's much younger. Uh, probably because of his stature, but um, he goes by the nickname El Pulpo, which is Spanish for the octopus, which is a vibe. And I feel like there's a a chant in there somewhere. Um, but I'm excited. Problem with that, you, 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 you start chanting that, people are going to mishear it, and then there's, there's going to be emails yeah. and complaints. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the Hounds made a signing, and then we had to turn around and make our own signing. So, perfect. On yes. Hounds-y, so damn right, uh, Devin. Yeah. So we, uh, we've seen the new man for uh, for ninety minutes. Uh, first thoughts on him? I was very impressed. I had honestly, I don't even remember him in Loudon. Uh, I mean, Loudon has a lot of forgettable players. Yes, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was very impressed. He looked very confident back there. Um, Obviously, if we feel the need to go out and get a one-month loan, I don't know what that says about the other two keepers that we have in the squad. Uh, but I'm glad they did it because he he may have been one of the players of the game uh, in this one. He made a couple of really big saves and looked good while doing it. So, Yeah, a couple really big nice. saves. Uh, USL uh, be- bench of the week, which is a 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a third all, all ACC honors type vibes on that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, for a guy who's basically been coming off of injury, which is why he's not seen minutes in, in D.C. at all, and with their split from Loudon in terms of, of being an affiliate, and D.C. not having started their two-team yet, I believe. That's kind of how I fell through the cracks of being available. Uh, mm-hmm. So con- convenient on that. But as you brought up, Devin, yeah, it does, does not speak very well for, uh, for Garner or, or Gomes. Gomes was the, the, the backup on the bench for this game. Uh, is it safe to say at this point, if, if you need to bring in a guy on loan for a, for a month while Jamali is on the, uh, doing the international duty, that it, I hate to ever criticize Bob because, you know, he's the man, but did he get it wrong with the backup keepers? If this is what he has to resort to? Well, I think, I mean, you can't just place it on Bob. We have a goalkeeper coach now as well who's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's pretty good. So, I mean, <laughs> I, but it also at the same time, it, it's a good read on his part to realize, hey, these guys aren't ready to be thrown in, you know, in a competitive game that's not the Maryland Bobcats. So they, it's good on them to go out and get somebody who's capable to do it. So, so yeah. So the rest of the lineup uh, after Zamudio, you got uh, Rovi, Dos Santos, Joey Farrell, DeShields, Biasi. Uh, midfield kind of works up to Junior Eto, Mark Abera, Danny Griffin, uh, King Kenny, and Eddie Kizza up top. And so when you look at that and you look at the bench, four names pop out as being uh, unavailable for selection that day. Uh, Al Dico with his uh, broken collarbone. Jamal Waite with their national duty, as we've already mentioned. Robbie Mertz with the the foot, we're still assuming is, is the foot injury, um, where he got his, his 11 minutes uh, last week and didn't look like he was 100%. And then uh, kind of the one that came out of left field was uh, no Ordonez. And no idea if that mm-hmm. is a if that is injury or just rest or what the hell that is. Uh, Ariana, I mean, it's four names you can usually pencil into starting lineups who were not there. When you saw that many people out, uh, concerns? I mean, my heart stopped a little bit. Some of them we knew. I mean, we knew Jamali, so it's not like all four of them were sprung on us. Like, surprise, we are missing four players. Um, so some of them, you know, were like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Ordonia's not being in the lineup and then not traveling at all is kind of what threw me for a loop the most. Um, but with that being said... Maybe Bob saw this as a as an opportunity to rest Arturo. He has played in almost every game this season, except for the one he was suspended in, and almost a full 90 in all of those games. Only one game he did not start. He played six minutes in the second Open Cup game, well, the first real Open Cup game against the uh, Bobcats, and then he came out um couple games couple weeks ago in the 79th minute but other than that he's played a full 90 the entire season so far so and he's the only one besides no i'm i'm gonna say that with probably full confidence without fully looking at this this spreadsheet he's the only one who has done that for a full 90 for all those games pretty consistently so you know why not give him a day off 
he uh he deserves it he deserves a little bit of rest um and this seems like i don't want to say it seemed like an easy game because of course i can say that now that we're you know a couple days removed but um the way bob approached who traveled definitely felt like he you know thought this game was you know going to be played a little differently it's it's an a west coast team we never travel well against a west coast team so you know i think it was kind of understood um i'm hoping that's what that is um he just seems like a good seemed like a good time to rest him but uh we also have talked about this a lot on on here but we have such a wide variety in our lineup or in our um our team that it's just like no one felt absurdly missed um i say that knowing that you know it was a draw and we could have scored but it was also a west coast team we don't travel well so it's kind of like this no one i mean it's saying something to say that the best player of the game was the the brand new keeper um for us so i think that that's also a grain of salt but i don't feel like we ever were like oh you know i wish we had you know Robbie Mertz in at this exact moment. I never really felt like we were ever playing in a moment where I was like, you know, you know, so and so in the lineup could have changed this because I, it never really felt like if it just it was a game. It, it was a game. It it happened. That's about all I could say. Um, but I, I have some confidence in our team. I say that. I would, I I would hope you have some end, confidence. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's been a hot minute uh, since they've lost yeah, in the league, been. so. Yes, agreed. Um, it's been since, like, I mean, if you're going to count draws, too, it's been it's been quite a long ways till, till we've we've dropped points in the league. So, um, yeah, I have confidence in them. It's just, you know, now learning how to play with at least three key-ish players out. So this was a good test to see where we're at. Yeah, Devin, uh, as put on the on the Twitters before the match, after the lineup came out, you know, an opportunity for for some guys to to make a name for themselves or to get noticed with a couple of key key guys out, a couple of opportunities in the starting eleven, a couple of opportunities coming off the bench. What were your takeaways uh, from from these ninety minutes of a, of a listless game in, in Oakland? Well, yeah, I mean, I thought the formation was, you know typical of what we've been rolling out uh the five in the back with the two wing backs uh we had the holding mid the two center mids and then the attacking mid and the the striker uh but it felt like lily was you know trying to get a little bit more creative um uh, griffin started out in his normal position uh in midfield kind of towards the top pressing and then at halftime he ended up at center back, which we, I don't think we've seen Griffin at center back this year. Um, and then Zvetsloot was back there with him as well at center back. So a bit unusual. Uh, a little bit later in the game, we saw Blackstock come in. We saw Rovira get pushed up higher, almost in like a winger position. Um, so it, it feels like there's some kind of experimenting going on to try to make up for the absence of, of Dequa. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely going to be concerning if we we don't have Ordonez. Considering 
I mean, his foot mob right now, right now, his rating is uh, number six in the entire league. So uh, mm-hmm. I think he's definitely MVP type candidate for the Hounds right now. So that's definitely a big loss. Um, but yeah, and just going back to the, the experimenting, I had marked down here that Griffin in the 70th minute, which at that point he was playing center back, he took a run like with the ball probably for like 20 yards. He just took the space at center back. So like, there's definitely some experimentation going on. It didn't result in any goals, but it has me a little bit concerned uh, if these absences continue that uh, these are going to start turning into results the other way uh, if these experiments don't work. So, Yeah, and it's it's – the the Mongols people got into it a little bit. Just kind of what what do you do in the absence of Dequa with with you know how I think it's I think it's easy to say that you know Kiza does not play the same way that Dequa plays. Tola is probably closer to a, a like for like for for Dequa, but but not completely. I mean, do do you go with putting both of them up top and try to have one play off the other or? How do you see as being the the best play, best way to uh, make up for what should be another, as we're suspecting, four to five games without uh, without the joint uh, Golden Boot leader right now? I mean, I ideally, I think you start Tola up top if you can count on him. Uh, I mean, the goals were starting to to go in, but. We saw him get a little bit feisty in this game, which was nice to see. I think he's getting the confidence in him. Um, he was <laughs> getting in the face of some players, and mm-hmm. uh, but I believe he came on late though, so we didn't, we haven't really had a chance to see him play a full game. And I'm not sure if it's because Bob just doesn't have the full confidence in him yet. So, but that's that's my ideal swap because Kiza I feel plays more in that pressing, like attacking mid role, as opposed to the out and out striker. So yeah, if we don't do that, I don't know. I don't know how we generate offense. Cause we don't really have a lot of options at striker beyond show on me and Dequa. So yeah, it's concerning. Yeah. And I was, I was surprised. I, I mean, I straight away just thought it'd be a, a Tola for, for uh, Dequa swap. And then when kids got the start, I was a little surprised because his gameplay just seems more suited to uh, a power punched 25 minutes at the end of the game on some, some tired legs seems to be at least to me, the, the best way to deploy them. So I was a little surprised by that. Uh, we do. I'm going to throw this name out knowing that we have not said this name as a forward in a while, uh, but he is technically on the roster as a forward. Throwing out Langston. Langston Blagsock is technically a forward. Um, he has played more minutes, I think for us defending than in, in a striker position, but, he is technically a forward, and we do have Tony Lopez, who, who has very much disappeared uh, into the background. Uh, hasn't played game but since he, the Open Cup game. But he was on the oh, bench yeah. for this game. If I'm not and mistaken. we didn't use him, <laughs> which they probably yeah. And yeah. well, the problem with, with Langston, I don't think we even know what kind of you know attacking option is he. You know, is he is he. Is he playing with the ball? Or is he just simply poaching goals in? I, I mean, we haven't seen enough of him to really know what his, what he brings I'd, as an offensive player. I'd be hesitant to take him away from like he's played so well at that mm-hmm. wing back position. Uh, 
he's he's in the top 10 for interceptions per 90 in the usl right now in foot mob so like i feel like he's playing that position well and he, he fits the system well there um but man he he that one game he had a rocket of a shot that almost went in and like i i see the potential there offensively but i don't know mm-hmm. if we just throw him up top with how well he's played back there mm-hmm. what's That's hard what's become apparent to me is uh, do we don't uh, tell me if i'm wrong but i do we really have that guy that attacking mid or a forward that's comfortable playing with his back to goal at all. It all seems very direct. There's not much, there's not a ton of hold up play happening around the top of the 18. No, cause kids is not that guy. Griffin's not that guy. Forbes is not that guy. And that's pretty much everyone who plays attacking. mids. So. yeah, it's just, and uh, I, I didn't really, yeah. it was only this past week that I kind of thought about it. You know, obviously there were some, time to have a thought during that game uh it just yeah there's just that part of it isn't it's just not part of the of the hounds in in 2023 but you know it is part of the hounds in 2023 yellow cards we have accrued so many uh, yellow cards okay make your point because i i I have some numbers with me here (laughs) we had five in this past game alone now we knew going into this uh, I, I do believe that it was uh, the Steel Army Twitter account that tweeted the the referee we had for this past game has an average of like 4.6 yellow cards per game. We were given five, and uh, Oakland was given one, I one, believe. I believe. Yes, one. Um, and so we, we hit that mark, but... We are definitely accruing. Now, I don't say that that's a bad thing. Uh, we just have a very spicy team. Um, Nate Dos Santos has officially reached uh, the fine window. Uh, five yellow cards without any dropped so far this season. Um, uh, which is five. Uh, I don't remember if I said that or not in my sentence. Uh, Luke is close appro- uh, closely approaching. He has four in league play. Um, and every the first three of our subs were all yellow card reactive subs. Uh, Joe Farrell and Nate were subbed out at the half. Um, and Joe Farrell and Nate got yellows in the half. And then Kenny got a yellow in the 60th minute and was subbed out in the 79th minute. So I definitely think that Bob has a reactive uh, sub when it comes to yellows because I don't think he wants to play without anyone. He can't, he can't afford to especially, lose anyone else to a suspension right now. Yeah. And yep. yeah, especially some of the names that are collecting these yellows. Um, I mean, you're talking about Nate and Luke who, who have become those outside, you know, staples on each lineup. So, and, and Kenny, well, you can't afford that. So uh, I don't, I don't fault us losing that. It's just uh, we're really collecting those yellows <laughs> this uh, season. But they're on the whole, they're not they're not bad cards that the Hounds are taking. They're no. they're usually they're usually tactical. I mean, when I think of of just the the really bad cards that stick out to me, uh, they've come in, in I think cup play more than anything. You had mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kiz's red for for lashing out. Uh, a really dumb moment. Uh, Dos Santos, I think, got one for kicking a ball away, kind of protesting too much. But in terms of, of league play, they've mm-hmm. been mostly 
good tactical cards to take. Now, in terms of the number of them, and also something that came up on, on Mongols, where somehow in their, their discussion of, of fouls, fouls turned into yellow cards really fast as if one is a direct, like mm -hmm. they're like a one-to-one -one ratio. The Hounds do lead the league in, in fouls, uh, a little over 16 uh, on a per-match basis. Uh, but in terms of, of cautions, they're they're bang average in the middle of the, of the league at 14th. So they're taking a lot of, of whistles, and they took a ton. They took, what, 22 or 23 this game. But in terms of, of cautions, they're not they're not taking a ton of those. And so mm -hmm. I, th I think they take good fouls at the right moments, and maybe they avoid some yellows they should be picking up, or they're they're finding that, that nice balance of, of getting whistles when they need to, but not getting into too many excessive cautions. It just stood out this week because there were, there was five, but on, on a season long basis, they're I mean they're kind of bane average on uh, on cautions. Uh, Devin, what yeah. you have any, any insights on this or thoughts? You know, I saw that. I knew that was a statistic you were going to bring up because before last week they were actually in the bottom half of yellows. Um, but I, I just think that's the system that they play. Uh, they know when to take a foul. Um, they're actually in, among the lowest in possession in the league as well. Um, but they also, the Hounds have the the best expected goals against in the entire league. So I think the Hounds are just really good at picking their spots, forcing the other teams to play with the ball in low-danger areas, and then just, you know, while they're in that low-danger area, take their foul. The ref's not going to see a reason to give a card. Um, or if they win the tackle, uh, the Hounds are in the top four in interceptions uh, in the USL right now as well. So they win that tackle, and there's there's their chance. Um, and I think that's just the way <laughs> Lily runs his system. Since he has come to Pittsburgh, uh, Lily, his team has never been worse than fourth in interceptions. So, um, yeah, I think that's just the way they play, and they're they're really good at knowing when to foul at the right time. I you said something and just it, it just triggered a thought in me here. Uh, I don't know if there's this is a number that's I, I almost certainly wouldn't think this is automatically generated. You'd have to, to go through and make the do the numbers yourself. If if you can figure out a percentage percentage of shots conceded that are outside the box. Because you look at this week, uh, Oakland takes eight shots, but five are outside the box. You go back to, to last week, I mean, it was in a, in a, an absurd number that were taken from outside. Uh, just they're not getting good, you know. So the Hounds are conceding shots, but in terms of what percentage of the shots are taken from, from higher percentage areas, it doesn't really happen that much. Uh, I would, I mean, again, I think you something you have to create on your own but the percentage of shots conceded that you know what percentage of those shots are from outside the box and how their ranks in the league would be an interesting stat to look at in terms of of the high percentage looks that teams may or may not get against pittsburgh uh but and that goes along with with the fouls and the whistles and and picking your spots just outside the box to clamp down defensively before they get better higher percentage looks Uh, Ariana uh, threw out a bunch of numbers there. Anything that made sense there, or are we we just talking in circles? 
<laughs> no, it did. It did. It did. Um, yeah, I was as you were saying that I, I was looking it up on um, Fought Mob, and I definitely yeah I looked through. We are definitely middle of the table, but um, when it comes to yellows, but but top when it comes to fouls. So, um, which I've been slowly coaxing uh, my family to start watching more soccer with me, uh, which is Uh-oh. exciting, but. Uh, they don't understand one offside, but I think that uh, not a lot of people understand offside calls, um, and also the difference between fouls and penal- penalties. So I, I can't really fault uh, <laughs> Mongols from slipping uh, <laughs> into using them interchangeably, but um, that is probably one of the hardest things that well, I, I mean, have I had had you know to master. They didn't use them interchangeably. They it just the conversation started about how many fouls were, and then it. it Somehow turned into the number of, of cautions, and I mean clearly, I think you look at Pittsburgh, you look at a team that draw or concedes a lot of fouls, but they're not conceding a ton of cards, which is what, as mm-hmm. kind of Devin said, is is kind of a nice little sweet spot to be in yeah. of, of of chopping up play and, and not giving them great looks, but not getting punished too harshly for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the cards that. And like you said, the cards that we've we've called we've you know had against us. I'm thinking my my favorite card this season, which is definitely a weird thing to say. Uh, that's is that, that's sicko adjacent right there to have something like that. <laughs> this is true, uh, but it was a be- it was a beautiful card. Uh, his uh, tackle in uh, the Open Cup against Cincinnati. Oh, Luke. Um, no, that's Luke's tackle. No, that that goes on that a highlight was, reel. That was money. Uh, uh, but I just think that, you know, we are, like you said, there are some that we're taking. Robbie's early card, uh, that was a, uh, straight red, maybe, uh, was just in one of the early games. That was the bad penalty. And I'll admit that. Arturo's in the same game, Arturo's double yellow, also a bad penalty. I'll take that. Like, we do have our fair share of. Yeah, the, the Robbie one that was yeah that was studs up. It, it yeah yeah it wasn't great, but yeah. But yeah, but it also happened in the middle of the field, which was a you know as opposed to being done in a dangerous area, it was done basically on the center line. Yes, yes, I'll take I'll take where it was done. It's just you know, and then we we have our own studs up penalty against Joe Farrell in the Open Cup, and it doesn't get called. It just uh, doesn't feel. Uh-oh. It feels di- different. It feels silly, but. Yeah, I uh, I think the ones that we're taking, I yeah, there are some bad ones, um, but I'm here for it. I'm also here for uh, Tola got a yellow uh, in this game, uh, right at, right towards the end, and I'm here for his uh, trash talking. Man plays I with some emotion. That, yeah, I think that the two goals might have uh, fluffed his ego, and I'm here for it because his ego needs more fluffing. Uh, I think that he's he's played very timidly so far. And his two goals and now his two yellows are, I definitely feel like, are giving him a little bit more confidence. Uh, so I'm excited to see where he plays, especially when we need that that striker. Uh, that We need that powerful presence in the front. So I'm excited to see what's com- coming from him. But um, he played 45 minutes this game, so it's, it's not as much as he's had. Um, he's played more minutes in the Open Cup games, but... He's, he's getting there. 
Yeah, something to be said about Tola. Uh, he may just need one more year, like to to really fully develop. Because uh, I thought another stat I found interesting about him, he's he's obviously near the top of the league and in big chances missed. But a player who was in third place last year in that same stat was Dequa. So, you know, it might just be an instance of he just needs another year to develop that finishing. Like he's obviously he's getting into the right spots. So, if he can just turn that corner and start putting those those easy goals away, we might have another you know, leading USL score. So I, you heard I, it here I first. find that promising. Yeah. Ink, ink him. You heard it here first. Well, I mean, go Jamali back. Jamali and Tola. Go back first to, to Dequa. His first year, mm-hmm. he he was, it kind of came down to, they're going to keep him or keep Rapapa Mensa. And everyone thought, clearly it's it's Mensa. And they, they, Bob keeps Dequa. Everyone scratches their head about it. And then he still has a, a year or two where he's, he's kind of playing second, third fiddle. I mean, last year behind... Uh, Cicerone and Dixon, all these guys, and he's kind of the the complimentary piece. He, he gets a new deal, stays around here, and now he's doing what he's doing. I mean, it, there is there very much a, a part of of seeing the the long term picture with with some of these guys, and it's funny because we always kind of of have a moan about not resigning this guy or that guy. There's a Deke was a guy that was kind of quietly retained for multiple multiple years, and now the payoff is finally coming. And so, kind of in that vein, uh, no need to put final judgments on, on Tola after, what, 15 games plus a couple cup games? I mean, mm-hmm. play the long game, as long as you're willing to stick out the, the couple seasons to get there. Uh, yeah, I think there's some, yeah, something to be said about that. Like, we, we, you guys had talked about, uh, I think it was last week, Biasi, like, guys who stick around, like, Bob obviously sees something in what mm-hmm. in them. So, if you see a guy stick around who you know didn't play a lot of minutes, I think that's like a good indicator for next year. Look for more minutes to be coming, and and look for them to break out because Bob's not going to keep guys around who he's not planning on using. Yeah. So moving on from from that game, we will we'll forget about uh, the Oakland Roots pretty much uh, entirely for another. Uh, another calendar year until we, they come back for another forgetful game. Uh, as I, I totally forgot, I forgot they, they played Oakland last year, and this game's going to be, as you recall, recall the 34 games of the season, this will be the last one you think of as well, between the scoreline and, and the kickoff time and all that good stuff. Uh, looking at the table, and as we're recording this, there is a, a couple of games in, uh, in progress with the, the teams you'd expect to be leading, leading. But the Hounds uh, slip back down in the second, a uh, game in hand on Charleston, but also a point behind. Charleston leading the East with a negative three, three goal, dif- goal differential, which is a thing. Uh, uh, Hounds in second. Uh, Tampa Bay's in third. Memphis uh, currently kicking the shit off Tulsa 4-0. Uh, is now in fourth. <laughs> That drops uh, Louisville into fifth. And that's Memphis on 25 points on th- uh, less games played than anyone else in the East. So, and a third, plus 13 goal differential as of sitting as of right now yes. with up four. Yeah, popping pop four on, on Tulsa will do it to you. Uh, <laughs> Louisville in fifth, Birmingham in sixth, currently leading uh, Loudon. Uh, Loudon, who's proudly in first place after week one, currently out of the playoffs completely. 
Uh, Detroit is regrettably in seventh, Indy eighth, and then you go Loudon, Tulsa, Damiami, and Frodford uh, in the basement. So uh, pretty compact there at the top, a little compact there around the playoff line, uh, some gaps there in between. But uh, shaping up for should be a, a pretty massive couple of weeks here for the Hounds. And a lot of these massive weeks are going to be uh, in Pittsburgh. The, it is the, the official start of summer today as we record. And the summer of soccer is well and truly on its way. Just take a look at kind of what is coming up here for, for Pittsburgh. You got home against San Diego this Saturday. Then home a week later against Louisville. Uh, then three home games in a row as we go uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday with uh, Pittsburgh West, also known as Sacramento. Then uh, a dreaded midweek out to Louisville. So it's going to be playing Louisville twice in a 12-day span. And then uh, home against Detroit, home against, or no, back down to Charleston, excuse me, which uh, there might be some of us going down there as we talked about. Uh, and then another four-game home stretch. Uh, so a ton of, of home soccer as the games start becoming a little more important, uh, as the, the table starts to take shape. Uh, Devin, we'll start with you. What what are you looking forward to in this, let's say, eight-game eight stretch coming up? What um, what games stick out to you? Uh, the Louisville games definitely stick out to me. Um, I know they're not playing as well, but they're gonna, you know they're going to turn the corner the last quarter of the season and just go on. Correct. Everyone loves to point out uh, Louisville not doing well, as if they're not going to be hot as shit when uh, when September <laughs> rolls around. Yeah, so I think that that's big to get at least four points out of that those two games, um, and it's really going to depend on injuries. Like we need to have Ordonez back, Mertz back. I think at a minimum, we know when we're getting Dequil back, so it's, it's not going to be in this stretch of games. Maybe towards the end. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's just trying to at least tread water around our position to get through these injuries. Ariana, uh, anything, any other choices between, besides the Louisville games? I mean, because they're obviously the correct choices, but anything else uh, you want to throw your hat in there for? Well, I'm kind of pumped for Pittsburgh of the West, uh, Sacramento on the 8th. Um I think that will be an interesting game because it'll be hard for a lot of us. There's quite a few uh, former Hounds on that team. Um, so it'll be really weird to see them and not be rooting for them at Highmark. But um, I don't, West teams don't travel very well to here, but that's, you know, with an asterisk for uh, Pittsburgh of the, the West, uh, just because they've played here before. Quite a few of them have played here before. Uh, for whole season, so it's not like it's super uncomfy for them. But um, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about that one. Uh, excited to see. I mean, they're sitting at the the top of their respective chart. They are also in second um, currently. So it's it'll be interesting to see where we go, where each team goes from there, and that will be probably that's what I'm looking forward to in the next couple of weeks, the most. Then the Detroit game, but that's just because it's Detroit. Yeah, and I was, was going to point out the Detroit the game. Replica. Yeah, yeah I was going to point out the Detroit game. Um, they started off uh, quite poor. Uh, it's they're, they're coming together. Last five games, they got three wins and two draws. 
uh, I mean, including, you know, draw with, um, with the battery, uh, a win uh, against, not like, well, not at, but it was a uh, home against uh, San Antonio. Uh, uh, so they're having some good results lately. They're starting to get, get hot. Kind of wish we would have played them earlier in the year before, uh, before they got their feet underneath them, but... Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of difficult to get too worked up about these these West Coast games or you know Western Conference games. Obviously, the two against Louisville are, are huge, but uh, taking two draws against Detroit last year and um, I think it could be a big one on July fifteenth. Mm. Uh, so speaking of the upcoming games, the the next one is this Saturday, seven o'clock, uh, hosting uh, Saint Diego. And uh, mm -hmm. San Diego, decent so far on the year. Uh, they find themselves currently sitting in fifth in the West, uh, six five and four. Uh, well, I should say six four and five in the the American parlance. Um, so doing well. Uh, have some big wins. Have some big losses. If you kind of look at at what they've done so far, uh, two two home against San Antonio it was their last game out. They're actually on a three-game draw streak, if you will. Uh, they did last month take a take a road loss to Oakland. Uh, did win out in Miami before that. Lost twice. Uh, they, have a, they have a loss to Rio Grande. Uh, so some weird results out there, but kind of a Bain average Western Conference team. In terms of, of names, probably not a ton you're going to recognize. No former Hounds. No, no names that were really big in the East before then. Uh, they have joint leading goal scorers with Evan Conway and Ronald Davis, five goals each. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me in terms of contrasting styles, San Antonio or uh, San Diego, uh, third highest possession rate in the league at 55% compared to Pittsburgh, who does not seem to like to have the ball too much, uh, sitting at 43%, which is 22nd in the league. Uh, Devin, what uh, what's kind of sticking out to you about this game in terms of what to look for? Yeah, I mean, it, it's essentially just the the exact opposite style of the Hounds. Um, I'll often look at uh, USL Tactics to get like a quick read on like a scouting report on the other team and uh, what they had down for uh, San Diego is they play very aggressive wing backs. Uh, they go for possession. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of the opposite of the way the hounds play so i think the hounds are going to try to sit back absorb that pressure and look to counter uh but in terms of players like i honestly i hadn't heard of most of the players on their team but i thought there were some interesting uh players who had some experience uh well they had two guys who played for tijuana uh one for quite some time joe corona uh played for quite a while in both mls and uh for Tijuana in Mexico's top tier. Um, and they also have uh, Nick Moon, who's one of those aggressive uh, wingbacks who is uh, kind of in talks for being like uh, an all-USL wingback. So that's what I see from this one. Uh, I really don't know how it's going to play out. I feel like it's going to be another one where they're going hard for a goal and it ends up being a draw zero zero one one that kind of thing yeah i mean there's uh, i i think a lot of it does uh, to a certain degree come down to who the hounds have available um 
again, is Ardonius an injury thing or is it just, was it a rest, a rest situation? We don't have a, a clear answer on that. I think you have to assume Mertz will not be available. Uh, we definitely know that, that Chico's out. We know that Jamali will be in Chicago getting ready to potentially play against the United States that evening. So part of it I, might be the manpower available. Um, you're hoping that the, the trip out east uh, doesn't treat uh, San Diego well. But it, it feels like a, a kind of a hard one to get a read on. Uh, Ariana, any, any insights? Educate the masses. No, I watched them play uh, earlier in uh, an Open Cup game, which was an interesting game to watch because there were red cards thrown out for that one. I think it was trying to look at their matches to figure out which one it was uh it had to have been san diego and san diego uh in the open cup and on april 5th um but i that's probably all i've seen them play so i'm not i'm not like i i have no nothing more to add rather other than just they looked okay but that was also you know two three months ago so i'm not really sure you know where that shifted from there so uh i'll be intrigued to see what it looks like um what they put we do have a, a good back line so i'm not super scared about their fancy goal scorers but i have confidence in our in our defense but we'll see now we uh nick moon had has been brought up already uh I'll also point out that he's already on two red cards this year. One of them was of the incredibly stupid and kind of got baited into one type of thing. So uh, if you're looking for, for uh, an angle for some shithousing, maybe Nick Moon is, uh, is a spot you look at. Um, but uh, who knows? If you have not been paying attention to the Loyal that much, uh, Landy Cakes will not be on the touchline. He, he moved up to the front office. Uh, kind of an executive position before the season started, so uh, you can you can save your your uh, Landon Landon Donovan, my other team ex Mexico scarves and and stuff for uh, for some other time, but he will not uh, presumably will not be there. Uh, but yeah, we will have to we will see. But yes, Saturday 7 p.m. tailgate starts at four as always. Uh, I don't believe anything special on still Army's behalf uh, this year. Kind of just uh, just a standard tailgate, unless I, I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a family fiesta night for the team. Uh, so there will be princesses at the uh, Riverhounds tailgate. So We should get, uh, we should just get Cinderella in the Thunderfuck circle. Yeah, yeah. It'd be good. For sure. Scar those children. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, four o'clock for the tailgate, seven o'clock for kickoff. Uh, I mentioned before Jamali, uh, he is with the, the Jamaican national team for the gold cup. Their first game is against the United States of America. That is, uh, also on Saturday night at nine 30. So half hour thereabouts after the, the hounds game ends. So it means about eight 30, we should get lineups for that game. Probably not likely that Jamali gets a start out of uh, Andre Blake out of Philadelphia. But uh, if for some reason those lines come out and Jamali's getting the nod against the United States, 
Are we all just going to Home Run Harry's to, to watch that game straight away after the Hounds? Yes. Good answer. Yes. Devin? Yes, but I would also feel really weird cheering against the U.S. I didn't say, I I didn't say you have to cheer for him. <laughs> no, no, this is what I always say. I always say cheer for the U.S., but hope that Jamali has a good game. There we go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't. Go on. Yeah. I, I, I can't cheer against Jamali either. Would feel weird uh, the amount of times I've we've chanted his names. I think we have, as of right now, three chants uh, for him specifically. So, uh, yeah, I just can't. So I hope he, he does a good game, has a good game, but the good guys are going to win. So. Devin, you'll still you'll still be up in uh, still be on vacation for the game. I, I will, yeah, I, I won't be making it back, <laughs> but I will be uh, watching that's a, it on. That's my phone. an easy transition. Go from ESPN Plus to the FS1 for for the second game. So that's... <laughs> Not hard at all. Uh, I know you're a uh, a Reading fan, and I noticed the <laughs> the third keeper for Jamaica. Yes, is uh, in Reading. Yeah. Yes, he uh, he uh, he got his. I mean, now we're well off the path here, but he got his first uh, first team start at the uh, the last game of this past season after Reading had been relegated from the championship. So uh, he does have one uh, one first team appearance under his belt, uh, but he's actually they're actually pretty excited about uh, the potential he has. So potentially a, a keeper of the future for for Jamaica. Now I'll throw out the question to both of you. Um, the uh, in terms of Jamaican national team keepers who are who were currently who were at the time with the Riverhounds, uh, they do have one previous game against uh, the United States. Do you remember who it is and how that game went? I don't. I don't recall a previous Hounds Jamaican keeper. <laughs> uh, 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 Thompson. Nothing. No. What year was that? Uh, it was it was in the Gold Cup, so that's got to be seventeen. Uh, Interesting. So, uh, so Hounds Jamaican keepers uh, starting for the national team against the United States in the Gold Cup are one and zero. Just throwing it out there. That's a deep set. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it means anything. Almost certainly doesn't, but just point it out there. Uh, Another interesting thing that came up this past week, uh, we talked a, a f couple, at this point, a couple months ago, uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber had some, some not kind words about the U.S. Open Cup, uh, and now the director of the Major League Soccer Players Association, Bob Foss, has also chimed in in an interview on The Athletic a couple days ago. Uh, let me read a quote or two from, from Mr. Foss. It goes like this. We haven't taken a formal MLSPA position on the U.S. Open Cup. I will say my personal opinion is that it is not at the level that our players should be playing at. At this point, the venues aren't there. The facilities aren't there. The structure of the tournament isn't contributing to making MLS a better league. And I think it's something that ought to be pondered. He goes on to say, this is kind of speaking more on, on number of games being played. Uh, I think our players' workload is getting to be an increasing issue moving forward and certainly something we think will be a big issue in our next round of negotiations. I think they're, in certain circumstances, playing too many games, and I think that's only going to increase as time goes on. 
I know the league has worked a lot with the Federation and tried to be respectful of what they're trying to do, but I can tell you that the U.S. Open Cup is certainly not something that our players look forward to. End quote. Uh, either you two want to chime in before I give my thoughts, or... or... Yeah. Go for I it. I have two things. One, they're short, I promise. One, uh, NCF NYCFC plays on a baseball diamond. Just going to leave that there. They play on multiple baseball diamonds. Sometimes Yankee Stadium, sometimes uh, City Field. Yeah, um, baseball. Mm, let's... Some of us in this league have our own field. And if we don't have our own field, we at least play on a pitch. Not a baseball diamond, but I'll just just leave that there. Also, when it comes to our schedule is so packed, this comes from a man who's... The MLS is all playing today. They all have games scheduled today some have already happened some are some are happening they also then all have games on saturday so whose fault is that that their schedule is so packed none of the neither of those games are open cup games so doesn't seem like the open cup is a problem but you know if the mls decides that they don't want to be in the open cup anymore too bad, so sad. The world's smallest violin might come out. Uh, yeah, that's it. I just, yeah. So I, we'll start with this. Uh, respecting that uh, his job as the, the head of the Players Association is to, sure. is to advocate for his players uh, making as much money as they possibly could, amongst other things. Sure. Uh, I, I see, I mean, clearly... The Open Cup is not in the money-making portion of the schedule. Um, mm. The facilities thing, I think, is a bit of a joke. After the the Hounds played at, uh, you know, the the perfectly uh, up-to-date Gillette Stadium. <laughs> uh, and the thing about uh, overworking or you know compact schedules, too many games. Uh, they're kicking off the Lee's Cup this year, which is basically a, a whole. We're gonna stop the the season for a month, play a separate tournament, and then continue the season, uh, which is, again, why we're playing, why uh, MLS is playing uh, a few midweek games now, including tonight. Uh, so the issue, it can't be overworking if you just added a whole other tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. The real issue is is playing more games but not getting extra compensation for it. Um, mm -hmm. But don't, you know, the Zidane... As, as you're adding a whole other competition to your schedule, then complain about you know, the extra, what, uh, one to six games that the Open Cup adds, which is stretched out over multiple months, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but to sit there and complain about those six games, are, that's the, the bridge too far in terms of, of workload, as you just added uh, a whole separate tournament that's going to be compacted into essentially a month. Uh, it just comes off a bit laughable. Um, Devin, where, what's your hot take? Well, to go on the facilities thing, and I could rant on the MLS for hours. Uh, go for I it. Stop myself. <laughs> I mean, New York Red Bulls, they play some of their Open Cup games at the Red Bulls 2 Stadium. Like, they are, and, and they're not the only ones. Other MLS teams. Are you, take, are you taking a piss on Montclair State University? 
only a slight one. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if the MLS drops out, I guess this is my question. Like, in a weird way, and obviously, I would I would prefer the MLS to stay with the Open Cup. Could this in any way benefit USL Championship sides if the Cup continues? Every year they know they have a chance to win a major cup. The USL championship team is going to get the prize money. Ideally, the Champions League spot stays, so there's still a chance that they play MLS sides in the Champions League. I don't know. Is there still a benefit there? Yeah. If it, we keep the Champions League with that I mean, let's – and I, I again, I don't think – I don't think that the, the end goal of this is um, – MLS out of the Open Cup. I think they're angling for some other concessions in terms of uh, compensation or, or other things. Money. Money. Um, Money. But I, let's hypothetically, MLS is allowed because uh, they'd have to get the you know the grace of U.S. Soccer, even though U.S. Soccer and MLS are, are kind of <laughs> being pulled by the same strings. Uh, if that were to happen. I, one, I would hope the tournament itself would just would keep going on. Uh, if they choose not to participate, that's on them. Uh, I would I would hope, but uh, the cynical side of me thinks that uh, Concacaf would pull the Champions League spot out of that um, out out of um, the winner of the tournament. I would hope not. Uh, I think interest goes goes way down. As much as everyone loves the cup sets and everyone loves. Uh, watching the amateur teams and the lower league sides, um, the games get the most eyeballs are the MLS teams mm. when they get involved. Uh, there's just no way around it. So, I, you know, people are concerned about the the, mon- the financial aspect of it right now because most of the, you know, the, the hosting fees are, they go up significantly when the MLS teams get involved. If those teams are not there, uh, those hosting fees are going to get pushed onto smaller and smaller clubs, which becomes a concern. So I don't know what the future of that tournament were, were to look like if MLS were allowed to not participate. Uh, but it, I, I don't think it would be great as much as we all want to piss on them. But uh, I just think uh, it's a bit, uh, again, coming from a guy who's, whose job is to get the most for MLS players and his concern is not uh, the Federation sure. or the other leagues. I, it's just, you know, it's amazing how all these guys currently have thoughts on the Open Cup now, as opposed to when USL was working closer with MLS and before they mm-hmm. decided to do a side tournament against Mexican sides in the middle of June and July. So I f- it just seems a little too convenient of the timing. Yeah. But we will, uh, I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of a talking point as. As things go on, it's a shame that no one f- actually from U.S. Soccer has really spoken up on this yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they they do make a, a comment, it's going to be kind of there's going to be a void to be filled with idiots like us talking about it. So, is what it is. <clears throat> As you do. Yeah. Uh, happened before we recorded last week. We just didn't get around to it. Former uh, president of USL, Jake Edwards, he's got a new job after he resigned uh, his position a few weeks ago. He's becoming the president. 
president, I think it might be CEO. president and CEO or just CEO of Huddersfield uh, over up in England. Uh, I'm excited about this mainly because my fear was he was going to take a job with U.S. Soccer or specifically take a job with MLS, which would have been just kind of getting stabbed in the back. But he doesn't do mm -hmm. that. He goes. He's going over to England, back to his home home nation. And uh, part of that is also because Huddersfield is being taken over by uh, Kevin Nagel, an American who also has a decent-sized chunk of uh, ownership in Sacramento Republic. So there's your obvious connection as to how uh, they were able to bring Edwards on board to take over the Huddersfield uh, top, uh, top job. Ariana, what do you make of all this? Um, I'm excited for him. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, my biggest question when it comes to this is, and I, I feel like Mongols have, had raised a similar argument, which made me think about it more, but is this a lateral move? Is this an upwards move? Is this the end for Jake Edwards? Is he going to finish his career here? Is there somewhere else he will go upwards from here? Um, it seems like an interesting move to be the head of um, 31 teams to the head of one team. Um, I don't, I, it's just, I think a weird transition from him from managing a general, uh, an entire league versus just managing one team. Um, but I don't. I, I don't know where I, I see this. He is back to his hometown, um, and he did play a lot in in the UK before moving to the United States. So, I, you know, I'm good for him. I'm excited for him. Um, it doesn't seem like anyone, you know, he's ruffled any feathers. Uh, it seems like everyone who had their job at Huddersfield still has their job at Huddersfield. Um, but, yeah, I'm just intrigued to see where the trajectory, how he, you know, what it is coming from the USL to uh, Huddersfield and then where it goes from there. Um, yeah. Devin, you want to take a stab on answering that question? Lateral move, yeah, I mean, move up, move down. I, what is it? Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of lateral move. Uh, it's hard to say because you're going from an entire league given it's second division, but he's, he's going to a second division team in England. It's just much higher stature, second division. Um, but I mean, if that's, I, I believe he's from England. So, I mean, if he wants to be closer to home, he wants to get a job where he, you know, he may retire there. I think that makes sense. I, my concern is like, he's brought a lot of stability to the USL over the last decade. And mm -hmm. I fear where the league is going from here. Uh, like I didn't follow the USL in 2013 and beyond before that, but I know there was a lot of uh, <laughs> turmoil and there still is to an extent, but it was a lot worse back then. Uh, like all of the plans he had in place with pro rel internally. Uh, well, the winter schedule I care less about, but a lot of the other plans they had in place, like what happens to them. So I don't know, some concerns on my part, as far as what happens with the league, with the new president. So 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if what the kind of those, those Jake Edwards initiatives if they if they die with his departure or if, if that flag is still carried. Uh, the pro rail thing, the the USL interleague cup, which is the thing I've wanted to see um, if that goes away. The winter schedule, I think that's still been a hard sell for teams, even with uh, Jake kind of putting it up on a pedestal. I think it's been a hard sell, and seeing where the the Super League does with their winter schedule might they're kind of probably being a bit of a canary in the in the coal mine in terms of how viable that schedule is here in the United States. In terms of the move itself, I I don't really have a good grasp if it's a step up, step lateral, step up, or whatever. I think it's absolutely a job with a higher ceiling. If all of a sudden Huddersfield makes a makes a promotion and now you're the CEO of a Premier League club. So I think the ceiling yeah, yeah. Is, is much higher. And they weren't that long ago. They were in the Premier League, not mm-hmm. very far back. So, yeah, I mean, Premier League president is, is a pretty big step up. Yeah, so I think it's a higher ceiling job more than anything else. In terms of what the move is right now, I think is a bit inconsequential as opposed to what that could be some years down the road. And then once you – without knowing how, how much um, you two follow English soccer, man, once you got your foot in the door in terms of the, uh, an executive yeah. over there – you you lose one job, some other club's gonna bring you pick you up shortly thereafter. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a good chance that even if, you know his his final place isn't Huddersfield. If you know he does a good job there, they'll be the next club will be there to get him afterwards. So I uh, I will not lose any sleep over the uh, the the trials mm-hmm. and tribulations of Jake Edwards going forward. But uh, I wish the guy well. Oh. <sighs> Well, um, Devin made it through a first uh, first proper mm-hmm. episode. How'd it feel? Yeah, it's fun. It's great. It was, it's worth uh, sacrificing yeah. some time on your vacation to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everyone else is already. <laughs> <so I'm> just... <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, Seven o'clock uh, Saturday. San Diego, San Diego. I have one one final comment to make. Yeah, make it good. If any anyone from the San Diego front office has made it this far, or if someone has sent them just this snippet of of Houndsy, I want them to know that I would like a formal written apology for dropping the H from our name in their most recent tweet of this game. Uh, it is disrespectful. Do not disrespect the H. Uh, I, I would like a, a formal apology. And I was just looking at the tweet uh, itself, the offending tweet, and uh, 90% of the, the replies are just the letter H. Um, so they should know that they screwed up. Uh, Jeff Garner got in on this uh, nice. with a hashtag foil the loyal uh which i'm kind of here for that hashtag uh he said you can't he moved he literally moved across the country and he can't escape the foil the loyal disrespect get it together uh i appreciate that you listen here uh, yeah go on sorry i thought you're done <laughs> yeah that's okay and then uh someone said see you there san diego yeah and i appreciate that <laughs> yeah so you listen here whale's vagina 
don't disrespect mm-hmm. the name Pittsburgh, you fuckers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's not much we're going to do about it besides tweet back at you, but um, yeah. <laughs> in any case, go fuck yourself. I want a formal apology. Yes. Yeah. Formal written apology. On the letterhead, apology. just like the Cincinnati one last year. Absolutely. Facts. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Uh, thought that went well. Well, mm-hmm. shit, even a slow week and we still went over an hour. What the hell? But that's just because we're that good now. That's that's one way to look at it. We, we like talked th- a lot about Oakland that I didn't expect. Eh, got a little bit out of it. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majerak. Email the show at pghstoarmy at gmail.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Ariana and Devin, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.